Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's session of Two Points of View 2. Uh, I'm Rex Black, president of RBCS. We are a worldwide testing and quality assurance firm serving clients ranging from small startups to Fortune 20 global enterprises. Uh, since 1994, we have delivered insight and confidence to hundreds of clients around the world. We have a team of international consultants that deliver customized training, consulting, and expert services to companies that are looking to improve their test and quality assurance practices. As a follow-up to my popular keynote and webinar, Stupid Metrics Tricks and How to Avoid Them, I, as a testing metrics advocate, decided to have a discussion with fellow testing professional Don Haynes, who is a testing metrics skeptic about how we use and all too often abuse uh, metrics in software. There's sure to be some interesting disagreements as well as some unexpected agreements. So let me put the bio up here. There we go. Um, so uh, happy to welcome Dawn Haynes to this uh, presentation. She has been in IT for over 35 years in various capacities, system administrator, project management, DBA, technical support, QA and test, build engineering, training, course development, uh, consulting, and uh, they say uh, head chef and bottle washer, I think is the <laughs> phrase. Bartender. Bartender. Bartender is well, actually on the resume. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. That's good. So then um, I guess you you, you could confirm or, or refute something that somebody once told me in a class and she'd worked as a bartender. She said the number one thing that she learned as a bartender is the worst thing that can ever happen to you is if somebody breaks a glass in the ice. Oh, that's a disaster. Uh, yeah, because then all your ice is contaminated and Got yeah. to start all over again. Yeah. Good time. There you go. See that I learn things every day. Um, <laughs> True. So with all of these different past perspectives, including what to do with a bucket of spoiled ice, Dawn now just calls herself a testing and quality coach. Dawn has observed throughout her career that the challenges we have with software quality and how to fit testing into projects is fairly systemic. I would say that's very true. Experience in insurance, healthcare, custom software, and commercial software. She has seen the same issues plague teams and organizations over and over again, and so have I. So, uh, that's why we, we still have jobs, right? We, yes, yeah, right. If if the software development teams were better at learning from their mistakes, we'd be unemployed. Anything about that? It's true. We'd move on to the next. But hey, yep. we're still here. We're just yep. trying to help each other out, and everybody can do that in their own way too. Everything that you learn, you think everybody else knows, it's not true. No, probably not. <laughs> you can share your, your epiphanies, no matter how small, yep. um, and, and they will probably help other people shift and come along with you. Yep, and you, and you may never know which one uh, really stirs uh, stirs thought. So You're true. <laughs> uh, I'm going to mention one of those just a moment here to kind of kick things off. Um, so a couple of housekeeping notes before we do that. If you do have any questions during the course of the webinar, submit them throughout the presentation via your webinar interface, but please note that we will answer them at the end. Uh, we have uh, 30 minutes scheduled for this, so we're going to talk for about 15 minutes or so uh, starting now and then reserve the last, say, 10 minutes uh, for, uh, for Q&A. So try to think of some good questions while, uh, while we're talking. Um, so yeah, the um, <laughs> um, yesterday I was in the office because it's COVID days. So you know what's there to do but work. If a client gives you billable hours that you can bill, sit and bill them, right? It's not like all I'm days are to, days. <laughs> yes, they all kind of run together. So I was sitting in the office and um, 
uh, was going through a, a client's unified test automation strategy. And um, in that document, they were talking about counting up test cases at various levels and comparing them to make sure that they were following the test automation pyramid. <laughs> and I said out loud in my office, it's a metaphor, not a metric. And um, I, I posted that on Twitter and it actually was quite a, quite a hit. So yeah, it was one of those things that seems so obvious to me. It's like, no, 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 you're taking cone two literally. That's not how he meant that. But anyway, that's, uh, <laughs> that's an example of, a, of a, something that people think of as a metric, right? A, a test case metric, which is of course not valid because unit test cases and system test cases are completely different sizes and very difficult to compare in a whole bunch of different ways. And so adding up numeric counts of them and comparing those is be just kind of like, huh? <laughs> you know? It's definitely mixing metaphors. It's like, you yeah. know, the difference between quantitative and, and qualitative measures. Mm -hmm. I've yet to figure out how to count quality and I've yet to figure out how to count done, but yet we seem to have an obsession with counting, right? And measuring and comparing it's the same thing with uh, velocity and you know story points and things like that. That's how a lot of agile you know transitions go sideways. Yeah, well, that's that's for sure. Yeah, so um, I thought I'd just throw that out there to kick us off here. So we we have metrics, but you know, do we use them right? Do we misuse them? And I thought that you you brought up in in our email when we were discussing this a, a, a quote that's variously attributed to either Box or Deming, but apparently it's like goes way back. Uh, yeah. All models are wrong, but some are useful. Um, mm -hmm. And a metric, of course, is a model, right? It's a way of modeling something that we're trying to measure, say, well, we're going to measure this, and it's going to tell us that, right? right. Um, um, so um, there's also, of course, the inevitable Lord Kelvin quote here, the famous quote about metrics, right? It's, you, you can measure what you were speaking about and express it in numbers, you know something about it. And when you cannot express it in numbers, your knowledge is of a meager and unsatisfactory kind. So um, the, the, the pyramid thing, of course, is an example of possible misuse or attempted misuse of a metric, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sometimes with the best of intentions, um, The thing that I've come across with metrics sometimes and fairly frequently is that, you know, they do give you these kind of insights that Kelvin's talking about here. And like, give you an example. I was doing an assessment for a client and uh, they were in the industrial controls business. And um, they, uh, I was looking at their defect data and they had a very high rate of false positives. A lot of defect reports that, that were reported turned out to ultimately be not actually defects. And um, so I asked people, you know, why do you think that is? And almost to a person outside of the QA team, the response I got was the QA people don't have enough actual production experience. They haven't used the system. They haven't worked in factories. They haven't worked in pharmaceutical plants. They haven't worked in oil refineries. This is where our systems are used. Most of them haven't been there very long or if at all uh, in those settings. So they don't they don't know what expected behavior is. So this is like- Making an assumption based on the numbers. This is, a, this is their com so this is a commonly received wisdom here, right? Or at least a commonly held conclusion. Yeah. 
Um, so if I had just gone off and said, okay, well, that certainly sounds reasonable to me, and it did sound like a reasonable conjecture. Um, if I had put in my report, you know, you shouldn't have anybody in your QA team that has less than X years of experience. They probably would have gone with that. They would have probably let a bunch of their testers go. Um, but I was like, you know, this is this is kind of a serious thing to recommend. I better you know drill into this further and make sure that the data actually supports this conclusion. So I asked the the director of, of QA to get me a, a, a spreadsheet with with two columns of numbers, and I said I don't I don't need the names. What I need is for each tester, I need the number of years of what they call plant experience as actual working in a pharma pharmaceutical uh, factory or what have you, right? Okay. The number of years of plant experience and their own personal false positive rate. Oh, yeah, well, that gets so you more I, data, slice and dice it, yeah. Yep, so I take that data and I will fire up Excel, one of my favorite things in the whole world to do, and pop that data in there and create a scatter plot and shazam, no correlation. It's like the, the R squared value is like 0 0.05 <laughs> five or six or something like that. It looked like a shotgun blast, um, which is basically means, you know, there's no, there's no correlation. There's definitely no causality, right? It doesn't yeah. go the other way around, but you could say if there's no correlation, there's certainly no causality. Yeah. So it turned out that there were other things that were going on that were probably much more powerful factors, like the, the fact that they told the testers to use uh, the business requirements as their single source of truth for what the expected results are. But then they had a set of design requirements that were elaborated from that, that were used by the developers to decide how the system was supposed to work. And they didn't do any sort of decent traceability between those and reconciliation when changes were made. So, you know, they were basically, hand, they had handed the test team a flawed test oracle and that was part of what's happening. So, you know, I bring that up as kind of like that's simultaneously potential misuse of a metric, but also how a metric ended up being very helpful. Um, so you this is the right thing. You dig it the right thing, right? And, yeah. and, and I think um, I'd, I like there, there's an interesting comparison about, you know, one, one of the things that we tend to track, which is bug find rates. So without classifying them at all, you know, just by date or time mm -hmm. into the project, and that alone, it, it could look like it tells you something, but there's some other data that might be useful, like how many tests did you run? Oh, yeah, yeah. How many changes were made, you know, between each, you know, what we call it test run or test day or, you know, mm -hmm. however it is that you're tracking it. So if you yeah. ran this many tests and found this many bugs, well, that's a telling story. If you ran this many tests and found this many bugs, that's a telling story. But one without the other doesn't really get it for you. And I right. think I think we've been indoctrinated to some of those things. Look at a single piece of data out of context and think, oh, we know what that means, <laughs> you know, or that looks like this, so mm -hmm. it must mean that. And I think that's where things go off the skids a little bit. I saw an example of that, uh, yeah, just just recently. Um, so the uh, one of my clients is, is going to, they're, they're tracking defect detection effectiveness, mm -hmm. which, which I like. That's a good metric, right? Keep track of how good you are at finding bugs relative to what gets out there in production. Yep. So, um, but 
they were doing it. They're, they're showing a trend, which I'm, I'm a big fan of trend charts. I like trend charts, but, you know, you got to be careful with trend charts because they don't show you what causes the trend. Right. And if you don't include enough data or your, your period is too short, you get all sorts of volatility problems with the trends, right? And, and stuff that's not actually yeah. signal is in there, but you confuse mm -hmm. it. So they were calculating this monthly, defect detection effectiveness on a monthly basis. Um, and I'm like, okay, let's let's look at this and see how it's going up and down and up and down and up and down. Well, I bet that when, when it goes down, that's because you're in a period where the QA folks are spending most of their time developing new tests and not executing tests. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, something's just going out into production. So that's generating a lot of production bugs. Right. So there you got a bunch of volatility in there. Wink, 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 wink. You know? <laughs> I said, look, what you need is like a rolling three month or six month or 12 month average to smooth that out. And then you look at a longer term trend over time, right? You can actually learn something from that. We have a lot of those issues in performance testing. Like when you're doing a measurement, if you look at a measurement for too small a period of time, you know, it's it, something could look significant. Whereas, you know, right. if you look at it over a longer period of time, it becomes insignificant. And sometimes vice versa. If you look at too much data, sometimes, uh, you know, if you look at an average or, oh, yeah. you know, something like that, you've just blown the, um, <laughs> the meaning of the data. So one of my favorite books, I mean, like, I like Lord Elvin's quote there. And I think Deming also said something similar. Um, you, you can't manage yeah. what you can't measure, something like that. Yeah. But one of my favorite little books that sort of helped me along the way to understand some of the, the potential potholes and pitfalls and you know, challenges <laughs> we have with this is uh. called How to Lie with Statistics. <laughs> and a that, famous a, book. Yeah, I think it, it was written in like what the 30s or the 50s or or something like that. It's but, been around, yeah. But the graphics in it um, give you beautiful examples, like especially around things like averages. One of my favorite mm -hmm. is if you have one foot in a bucket of ice water and the other foot in a bucket of boiling water, on average, you're comfortable. Yep, What's that mean? Famous, <laughs> famous quote. Yeah. And yep. the mean, median mode, you know, like how frequently a number appears versus, you know, right. what, what the numbers actually mean. So I I think I got onto this in my career way before I got into testing. It had to do with a quality measurement of people in tech support. So we worked for a wholly owned subsidiary of Big Xerox. Big Xerox had just won the Malcolm Baldridge Award for quality. Yay us. I mean, oh, we're, yeah. we were so proud. We had no yeah. reason to be proud. We were, we were just a little garage band software company um, that they had bought. But, you know, I'm thinking we can learn a lot about quality because they must know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so all these metrics came down and one of them was around our customer service and technical support. So uh, there were eight of us and the mandate was we need to collect metrics about how many calls you take and how long it takes you to close a call. Oh, and that's going to tell us what the quality is. And I just, uh, I was the person collating all of this. And I was also the only person not doing desktop support. I was doing API support. So my customers were developers that were communicating to me via email. Right. And if they had a problem, yo, it wasn't going to be like reboot, <laughs> try, try this, yeah. try that, and yeah. hang up. And oh, by the way, 
what what is the the thing about when you measure something um people's behavior changes i, I can't uh it's variously called the hawthorne effect or the westinghouse effect yeah but so yeah. so what i heard my colleagues doing was um try this try that try this try that try this try that and if none of those things work call us back and we will open a new call click <laughs> you know like so, so yep. it created behaviors that were bad and i told my management i'm like okay i don't need to run a single set of metrics according to these i suck i give terrible support although you've never heard from a single one of my customers because they're all satisfied and we're all working with them so <laughs> You know, it's easy to focus on directly the wrong thing, but you still have a need for this information. And that's my struggle, right? So yeah. I became a skeptic pretty early on in my career due to misuse, but it's not like it's easy to find something that would be better. So in training classes, you know, to this day, people are always asking me, well, you know, my management is asking me for these kind of metrics, you know, like, let's say it's test case metrics how many we planned, how many we executed, how many pass failed. And I've never been able to figure out how that tells anybody something about release readiness. Because- it Tells you about progress against your plan. Right, right. It, it, a, a little bit. A little <laughs> that, bit. That's what it tells you. It tells you, have, have I run the test that I plan to run? Yep, that's it. And, <laughs> yeah. and your plan can change. And so yeah. I, I, I think in projects, we're typically uncomfortable with change, except change happens all the time. So right. I can plan a run of tests and somebody decides to change something, change a requirement, add a feature, all of a sudden I'm replanning and readjusting and it, it gets kind of messy in there because things and projects are quite dynamic. Did you so, ever read uh, Kahneman's book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow? Love that book. You remember that part in there about the, the study that they did, uh, they, they had that that elaborate team exercise for, for selecting officers who was going to get promoted to officer's rank in, in the in IDF yep. and involved <laughs> figuring out how to get a telephone pole over a fence or something like that. Right. <laughs> and, and they, they did that, that longitudinal study, like some number of years after putting that plan in place and, and were like, oh, okay, there's actually no correlation whatsoever between how people score on this exercise and, and, how well they do in their career, but they, that then he said, they, but we kept doing it anyway because we couldn't think of anything else, <laughs> right? So this, yeah, that we do that all the time and it's not just in software. It's like, it, this is a thing that we, this is what is measurable. Right. And so we're gonna measure it, right? No and matter it, what. No matter what, even, even though it's going to skew behaviors and mm -hmm. people are gonna figure out how to game that thing, uh, yeah. it, it, it's, um, yeah, so. There's, there's your classic misuse, right? That was my stupid yeah. metric tricks and how to avoid them. That, that Hawthorne effect was one of the central. It's a cautionary tale, that. right? And, you, and yeah. you all need them. And I, I ran into one that surprised me. Um, this was while I was at Rational. I could talk about them because they don't technically exist anymore. But we were having <laughs> a late release and big management came in and squatted in our building and made everybody nervous because that's always great. And somehow yeah. this, this high-level VP got access to an internal wiki that basically said daily, you know, how many tests we ran, how many passed or failed. So say it was like this. On Monday, we had 100. We executed 199, passed, one fail. It's all, it's all good in his mind. Right. On Tuesday, clearly, we had a bug fix. <laughs> we had a new release. And now we have retesting to do. And that's what people forget about. 
right? It's like we're not done just because we executed them once. We're gonna have right. to them again. Go back and run so them again. Tuesday rolls along and we execute 100 tests and one pass, 99 fail. Nice. This guy flipped out. He yeah. like bounded into the QA lab screaming at everybody at the top of his lungs. And I went in there like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Stop, stop. Let's go out in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, let's have a conversation. Yeah, I've like, had that conversation. Right. It's like, what are you taking from this information that, oh, by the way, we didn't give you? You know, first of all, this, this was my mistake important. was I gave it my, my mistake was <laughs> I gave it to that person and then expected them to not misinterpret it, which is right. where I learned don't show test case counts to managers. No, no, <laughs> no. show them, show them other me. things. He said he's like, yesterday, I thought we were almost done. And today it seems that we haven't even started. And I went, <laughs> OK, OK, I, I now know that that can be misconstrued. Yep. And now it's my life's work to make sure we don't do that. So <laughs> if we're going to put, you know, information, information, not data, that's the other thing. Sometimes we give people uh-huh. raw data yep. and we let them interpret it, but they're for us. Like, like that yep. helps us manage what we do, tweak what we do and understand what we're doing because we have data over time. We get trends. We start to understand things and right. hopefully it tells us something useful. And one if it the, doesn't, hopefully we dump it. <laughs> one of the graphics I had in that, in that stupid metric tricks uh, slides was a, uh, <laughs> a water cannon being used against a protester. And I was like, you know, we are sometimes, we sometimes do that to, to our stakeholders. We just unleash this, this water cannon of data on them. And then we're like surprised when they're knocked off their feet by it and have no clue as to what to make of it all. You know, it's like, you're supposed to give them insight, right? Not raw data, insight. And I I think it it goes back to this as a point we can um, probably break for questions after this, but um, if you think about what does each person in an organization or in a team really know about testing? And chances are most of us fall into testing with no education, you know, books or training or otherwise. You just do it because it's human to test. So we know, we know how to test, we know how to observe, we know how to share information, but not necessarily in these ways. We don't know test design techniques. There's plenty of things that we can learn to become better. But what do you think your project manager or product owner knows about testing? Maybe nothing. What do you think your dev and dev manager know about testing? Maybe nothing. So I think we forget sometimes that the people were working with to land this project safely may not have the insight that we do. And sometimes I think we're a little shy about saying, hey, what do you think this means? Because I want to I want to make sure you're you're seeing it, you're understanding it the way I am. And that it's helpful to you <laughs> because you know, I not, think, maybe we could give you something else. I think that's a great point. And I think also to add on to that, I think that the test management tool vendors have done a particularly bad job at helping us out on yeah. that because yeah, uh, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, the, the test management tools have all these built-in reports that mm-hmm. are perfectly fine for the, the tester, the test lead, the test manager. They give this nice tactical view and a great deal of detail, but they don't, allow you to typically, or at least not very easily, Customer. extract insight that's relevant to, to non-test stakeholders. And, and they just, yeah. 
Yeah, and like with the rational, well, the test manager tool had this uh, test test coverage report. And it was, you know, the tests were tied um, to requirements, right? Yeah. So in theory, this is requirements coverage. And so you put that in the hands of a project manager and they think, oh, we have tests that cover all the requirements. All these have been executed. We must be done. <laughs> That's not what's happening. Right, then you have to have the verification versus validation conversation, right? Yes, we yeah. have verified that all the specifications are met, but is it fit for use? You know, that's a different question. Totally, totally. So we do have, we have yeah, some questions. There's a couple of good questions like um, test pyramid. Um, do you yeah. want me to share? Can I share? Sure. Let's see. Not I said panelists can share. Okay. Yep. Saying that I, I have to. I can take him. So the question about the uh, test automation pyramid. Yeah, there we go. I just wanted to to show you. Um, this is what I do. I I just do a, a Google search, and there's lots and lots of ways that this can be represented. Right. Um, but you were talking about the specific measurement because they don't all have measurements like this one doesn't, but this one does. So it, it, yeah. if you look at this one, right, it's saying you need 70 percent here, 20 percent, uh, okay. 10 percent there. And well, now, now I'm confused about this. 70, 80, 90, 100. What the heck is in this bubble? I, I guess that's maybe part of the 10 percent. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And and. Show me, show me the math behind that calculation, and I will show you a mathematical lie, right? And, or not yeah. lie, but just it. Basically, it's like somebody is taking, they've got temperature measured in Fahrenheit, Celsius, and Kelvin, and they're mm -hmm. just adding all those numbers up and calculating percentages from it without converting, right? And mm -hmm. and it's actually, I think it's worse than that because it's like how how nobody's ever showed me a credible way of converting. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, what are you going to do based on the number of average number of lines of code covered by the tests at each level? I mean, I suppose you could do that, but that's not really what you're, that's not the proper metric of coverage at the system level anyway. So I think you know. it's more like a distribution. It's sort of like um, Brian Merrick's uh, agile testing quadrants. Yeah. Say you need you need to have so much here and there. He just said, you know, there's four different kinds of tests that you can have. Don't, Don't ignore forget. them. Don't forget. Don't forget any of the four. Right. Just like verification, validation, and yeah. this is about This is about really um, having test automation that can support you for the duration. And so, if you look right. at this one, it talks about brittle tests, right? So yeah. all I'm saying is, don't have brittle tests that you don't need. Right. If they right. can be here or here, right. leverage automation to do that, and then make sure you do testing around things that are dynamically changing in a safer way that doesn't cost you time and effort. Yeah, like that's it. That's it. So if you followed a formula instead of a, you know, a, a numeric guideline, I think you'd be better off. Right. Right. Yeah. It. It just. Um... Yeah, as I said, it's it's a metaphor. It's not a it's not a metric, and it, you know you just have to think. And there are other things you can measure, right? Like you you can you can measure uh, false positive rates at different levels, right? And that gives you some feel for oh look we're we're you know getting too top heavy here. We're going from you know pyramid to snow cone, and uh, we've got a lot of false positives that we're dealing with now. So. 
or automation yes. failures and maintenance that goes along with that. Yeah, maintenance it, effort. That's, yeah. that's an indication that things might be brittle, but they might not be brittle for the reason that you think. They just might have right. been designed poorly. Data could be a problem. Environment reset, you know, and data management could be a problem. There's lots right. of places you can look to fix that stuff, but these numbers won't tell you that. Right, right. Yeah, this, yeah, this as a, this is, this is this like simplifying something too much and in exactly the wrong direction, <laughs> right? Uh, it's just more complicated than that. And, uh, but it is, it is a good metaphorical way of thinking, you know, big amounts of unit tests, mm -hmm. medium amounts of integration tests, working at APIs, small amounts of automated GUI tests, you know, yes. so just, you know, doesn't need to be any more than that. I like it. So well, what else have we got? Uh, we got another question there, I thought too, don't we? Stefano, Stefano, sorry if I get his name wrong. Um, what do you think of the test automation coverage metric? I'm just in a project where do the DevOps, there is the dream to automate everything. Um, oh. so, and and I, oh. I get that, I hear it all the time, yep. but if I if I look at the pyramid, right? If, if I just look at the pyramid. So don't do that. It doesn't say automate everything. Mm -hmm. It says automate what you can automate in some reasonable ratios that right. make, that make it less effort for you to have automation. Yeah. But I mean, automating unit tests in theory should be simple. They should be easy to run. Mm -hmm. They should be easy to run multiple times. So I want to automate everything I can. And I should. Don't think it's reasonable, right? It's can and should, right? I mean, not it. not not everything should be automated. And no. Yeah, nope. there's, a, you know, there's some <laughs> tests that just don't have, they don't have enough value. Uh, they're not. But I think that's the marketing fluff of, of at, well, let's say TDD proponents that have, you know, there's always marketing fluff around you know, yeah. things like Agile, DevOps, whatever. And someone will take, especially management, will take a message that they like to hear. Like we can deliver software faster. <laughs> but, but they don't so don't invest right. in how we right. do that in automating everything sorry well um, all that really means is if it if the test is not automatable we're not mm -hmm. going to run it yeah that's the practical import of that and every time i've seen that played out you'd start not a great goal no no that's you, you definitely do not want to do that well i i used to work with ocr software optical character recognition which is yep. you know neural net and ai technology and you know complex decision engines and oh did did we yeah i just uh switching out of the out of the pyramid okay gotcha um, <laughs> sorry should have given you a heads up when we do that um and when we lean on things like ai and th that type of technology it's imperfect it's yep. very imperfect so so not for nothing i don't want software testing my software only uh -huh. So to me, automation is software testing software. Yep. I, I just, for me, there's a, a space to do something additional. That's, I don't know if I want to call it a spot check insurance, but like you said, there are many things that can't be evaluated with automation. So we just need to stop that in its tracks. So, so every time I hear it, every time, you know, we're having a, a conversation, especially with management, um, I like to just draw out, what is your goal here? Is your goal yeah. to, to run tests faster? Is it like, what is your goal? 
if you help me understand your goal, I might be able to help you understand that automating everything isn't really going to get to it anyway. Right. And you, we, it's, it's a really remarkable that we managed to get this far in a talk about metrics without getting to that point, right? The whole the silly thing of the goal question metric, right? Don't, don't start with the metric. Yeah. Start with the goal. What are you trying to accomplish? And then, then you say, okay, how would I recognize that I'm doing this effectively? How would I recognize that I'm doing it efficiently? How do I recognize that I'm doing it in a way that satisfies my stakeholders? And then once you've got that, you, that you can start thinking about how, how would I measure those things, right? right? Uh, but yeah, if you're not starting with the goal, if it's just, hey, here's something I can measure. Ooh, I'll measure this. And now I'm going to put it in a PowerPoint and I'm going to show it to management. Um, <laughs> it's like I, I had the um, my five-year-old niece my goddaughter mm-hmm. over the weekend and um we're showing her a, a not a ruler but the um the tape measure yeah right? yeah so when she understood how it worked she's measuring everything in the house of course just, just because you have a tape measure doesn't mean you just go beat everything with it <laughs> that's that's where i think we've yep. got with some of these things we yep. have them so so that's what we lean on and I, there's just one other question uh in here um well, a continuation, um, more than just the numbers, um, wants a way to, to talk about what's broken in the product. So as I was saying before, you know, somebody just trying to decide, is, is it time to release? Are we ready to release? Is the product right. ready for release? Is the product ready for this customer, this environment, what, you know, what, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I find it difficult um, to uh, communicate that in terms of raw metrics. I, I just I find it difficult. I like coverage, coverage metrics. I like test conditions, which gets us to talk about certain, you know, features and just, right. I don't want to say pass fail because I'm not shipping tests to the customer. What I'd rather say is this has been evaluated, this has not. Right. So did you I, see the, the presentation that Julie did with me? I, uh, I got to see the beginning that, right? of it. I got to see the beginning of it and then I had to uh, jump out to, to join a class. So she she has a really interesting way of doing, uh, of presenting risk-based test results to yeah. be able to talk about here's here's where, the, where you still have risk and here's where you've got less risk and here's where we've done all we can to mitigate your risks. Beautiful, and of isn't course, it? It's very nice because yeah. it's, it's, it disaggregates very nicely, but it also aggregates real well. So it gives you that kind of zoom in zoom out thing um yeah and you see the trend you see the movement which i think i think management is looking for progress right so some some of the metrics that that they reach out for are just really telling them testing is happening right and that's probably not enough progress progress against the plan yeah yeah so stefano to your point if you are looking for uh, information on that you can catch Ju- Julie's webinar was recorded and is posted on our website. So if you want to take a look at her approach to that, there's also on the on the RBCS website a article that I co-wrote with uh, uh, Sushi Nagata Sony uh, about uh, a trend trend chart uh, way of viewing residual risk and and watching as it goes down based on the, the test being run. So there's there's a lot of ways I think of of providing that insight. Nice. Thanks for the questions. Yeah. Really well, appreciate it. Anybody else? It looks like we're we're out of questions and out of time. I've, fortunately, I got my hard stop at 2.30 moved, <laughs> so I don't have a hard stop at 2.30. I have a hard stop at 3, but I think we'll honor our um, 
honor our uh, timeline, sort of. <laughs> you know, it's a hot topic. Yeah. But we know that, that people struggle with it in all kinds of projects, in all kinds of industries, organizational structures, um, and it's... It, it has been a pretty persistent thing. So it's good to bring the conversation to the forefront. Right. And um, my uh, one of the things that I, I got from Scott Barber what was a suggestion. This, this came from the performance angle, uh -huh. um, right? When you're trying to figure out how to deliver data to anyone, right? It doesn't matter who the audience is. You show them something, right? And you say, what do you see here? Uh -huh. <laughs> you tell me what you see. And if you see something that I'm not trying to communicate, I go, okay, I'm not gonna give that to you anymore. I'm gonna give it to you like this, or we're gonna look at it like this, or or, right. or, or we're gonna keep working until we have some mind share. We're syncing up. Yeah. And that can be a process of experimentation. And sometimes we're not brave enough to suggest that, but I, I think all of our audiences have different needs and people process information in different ways. Right. Some people like big visual graphics, some people like really detailed things, mm -hmm. it depends. So I, I don't necessarily know that there's a one size fits all, um, but I think it's a worthy endeavor to, <laughs> you know, keep knocking on the door and say, right. we got it right for now. So have you ever um, read any of Tufty's work or-, or... I've, I've been to Tufty's seminars. Yeah, I've done, done them, yeah. They're, <laughs> They are and really mind expanding. It, it, it blows it blows your yeah. mind, yep. the amount of information that can be crammed into a small visual and the ways that information can be distorted if you just have the wrong scale, the wrong combination, yep. Um, yep. Th things like that area of focus, certain colors, you know, pop out to people, all sorts of things. Beautiful books, beautiful yep. books yep. of art is. is yeah, they're fantastic books. And his yeah. discipline is is pure. We, we yeah. <laughs> all hail Tufty from <laughs> the, the performance um, uh, testing vantage point. Huge. Yeah. Well, he has said that. What what made me think of him was that that quote that he has of you know when you're designing any sort of graphic table, etc. The first thing you want to think about is what am I trying to make other people think about, right? Yeah. What is a thinking task I want the viewer to engage in, right? Or not just, you know, what fire hose of data can I hit them with? <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, so we do have one last question, if you've got another minute here. Um, and then we'll, we'll sign off. This is from Marta. This came in through the Q&A panel. Oh, okay. Uh, do you know of any metrics that would be beneficial in a product built on microservices? We have a lot of integration and contract tests, but not uh, many end-to-ends based on requirements. Marta, so, did you work with Scott Barber? Because he has exactly this issue right now. Oh. <laughs> so the way the way that I recommend to clients to think about coverage in, in the microservice kind of world is in terms of these these endpoints and touch points and APIs and so forth that you know identify those. Um, in fact, I'm working with a client right now where they're we're going through an exercise to uh, do a risk assessment of all of their APIs um, and then, you know, to rank them based on that and to uh, achieve um, adequate test coverage based on the risk ratings for, for each one of them and, and try to drive the residual risk in those APIs down. So um, I think that's that would be the way that I would go about it of just, you know, you got data going out and you 
data coming in and, you know, let's figure out where all those points are and, you know, try to try to say, hey, have we covered this and does it work? Right? And, and the tricky thing about it is to try to communicate something about a piece of the system when really your end users are only using the end to end. Right. So so it's like it, it's like forest in the trees problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I know um, Scott's gig right now, um, they've got some in-house stuff, some uh, SaaS and right uh, some cloud stuff, and they have a mm -hmm. lot of contract testers. And so there's, you know, th this sort of chaos is going on and yeah. they measure that, well, they measure, they report two things. One is the functional adequacy of the thing. Um, and then it's the performance or response time of the thing and then of the thing under load, right? So um, mm -hmm. it, it, they're not metrics per se, they're measures and assessments, right? So right. I, I don't know how to roll it up into a nice tidy thing other than check marks. You know, we, we evaluated each of these things, but yeah. at the end of the day, if the end to end doesn't do what it needs to do, um, it doesn't matter how much service testing you've done, you're still gonna get pounded for it. Right. <laughs> One thing you could could potentially do is if you could draw a nice graph that shows all those connections mm -hmm. and mark the connection as red, yellow, or green based on the status of the various tests that you run across it. That that might be a way of making it like kind of like. Map. Like I, yeah. I suggest people yeah. do that with a mind map and the functionality, but you could do it with all your microservices and your interfaces or your in integration points. That's beautiful. Right. Right. Yeah. Me likey. <laughs> I think we should do that. Marta, why don't you do that? And you send it to us. Do, yeah, do that and send it to us. We'll give you feedback on it. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, good. We uh, we managed to go 15 minutes over, well, 12 minutes over, but, you know, hey, who's, who's keeping score? Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, wind us down here with a usual pitch. Um, so, uh, would point out, uh, as I, I failed to mention in the earlier slide, Dawn is not only a, a colleague, but also uh, does a lot of work with us at RVCS. She's one of our favorite uh, training presenters. So uh, if you're looking to get a course from RVCS uh, and you're looking to have Dawn teach it, that is absolutely a possible thing. Um, happens frequently. <laughs> um, so I hope you enjoyed this uh, free webinar from RBCS to all the attendees. Uh, we do these free webinars as a service to the software testing community because at RBCS, we are a not just for profit company. That said, if you enjoy our free webinars and feel that they demonstrate solid insights to the kind of testing challenges you face, please make RBCS your preferred software testing vendor for any and all expert services, consulting or training. Happy to provide a quote for any such help that you need. Uh, you can reach us at the coordinates shown on this page. So with that, uh, thank you, Dawn, for uh, putting in the time to uh, talk about me. this fascinating topic. And uh, uh, I'm sure it was valuable to the attendees and was interesting to me as well. So thanks again. And I'll uh, see you on the uh, see you on some Zoom screen or <laughs> go to webinars where yeah. we all live these days. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, uh, Stefano, Marta, for your questions. Appreciate it. Take yeah. care. Everyone. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.